Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I'm again joined by Moxie Labouche. Now if you tuned in last week you'll know that Moxie is the host and creator of the Your Brain on Facts podcast and she's also recently released a book of the same name, Your Brain on Facts, so we spoke about that a little bit last week. In this week, the conversation of many different tangents and things like that does continue as it was last week. Uh, a couple of bullet points here. We start the conversation speaking about Confederate statues a little bit and a couple of political things, but then shortly after that, we delve into Moxie's Game of Thrones Nerdlesque, which is a burlesque show but nerdy, essentially. And she tells the story of how she and her troupe performed in front of George R.R. R. Martin himself, which is incredible in its own right. Uh, we also speak about Star Wars a little bit, about George Lucas's wife, or ex-wife, Marta Lucas. We speak about Avatar The Last Airbender a little bit. I haven't seen it. There's no... Or I've seen bits and pieces of it, so there's no spoilers for that show or anything. We speak about anime, voice acting, podcasting equipment elitism, and more other things. So if that sounds like that you're kind of jam, then keep on listening. And if not, if you listened to last week and you don't like this week's, and I'm a little bit confused because they're both quite similar, but I had a really, really great conversation with Moxie. I really implore anyone to go check out her podcast and buy her book. Links to all that jazz are in the description. And there's no promo today, so everything's going to run smooth just shortly. If you're new to the show, then, you know, check out last week's episode. But if you don't fancy doing that, the chat will start and then I'll be back at the end to give more information of what's coming up next week, my other podcast, Star Wars Comics in Canon, and a few other bits and pieces like that. So I won't natter on anymore. Thanks as always for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. Follow on the usual social media places, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Review on iTunes, share on social media, do all the usual stuff you guys are all doing, and be nice to each other you know because that's what we all need anyway guys i'll speak to you at the end welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton society is is changing its views and if those of us who are progressing can just keep progressing all we have to do is keep progressing and wait for the dinosaurs to die out that's what I say. It's one of those yeah. things when people sort of my age, uh, often, obviously there are people older than me who are, like I'm not saying like, yes, my generation is the liberal one. It's, it's not that simple, but it's generally speaking, like I'm a millennial. So it's like the grandparents of millennials are generally in England, the ones who are, I haven't got anything necessarily against people who are on the political right to some degree, but when you're on the far right and that sort of area and when you're you're like really homophobic you're really racist you're really anti-immigrant all these sort of other things it's like most of them are as you say the dinosaurs and like a lot of my friends and things who are more left-leaning than i am are like get very uh agitated by it. and i understand why because there's a lot of horrible shit going on in the world and they're like i just can't understand like this things aren't going to change and i'm like look just wait things are getting better we just have to wait for the ignorant people to die and then slowly, if we keep teaching our kids, it, it just takes time. It's not going to be tomorrow, you click your finger, social change happens, unfortunately. It, it is a progressive thing, you know, you know turn progressive. But it, it's it's a minefield. <laughs> it's a minefield yeah. talking about politics. Though, this some, some things are happening uh, kind of quickly because I live in, in Richmond, Virginia. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think of what's happening right now in terms of racism as the second civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Data point of one, not an expert. Don't at me. Okay. But that's, that, that is, that is kind of how it feels in terms of the dedication and the number of people who are being actively involved, the length of time the protests are going on. Because right in the middle of the city of Richmond, there is a beautiful, expensive tree-lined street, and every third block has a giant Civil War Confederate general statue on it. So, well, it, some of them used to because we have ripped ripped them down. And in fact, the mayor was like, please, we have got contractors. We have to do like paperwork. Please, you're going to get hurt because somebody did get injured pulling one of the statues down. You're like, please stop pulling them down. <laughs> We're working on it. Okay. Um, and so, and those things are happening um, fairly quickly. NASCAR, of all things. So, that, you know. I heard about this. Please the, explain this. I heard about this. The mecca for rednecks and yokels and the countryest, down-homiest, most racist, NASCAR was like, nobody's bringing in Confederate flags anymore. You're not bringing them in. You're not waving them. You're not wearing them. It's not happening. They're, they're out. There is one uh, black driver who has the NASCAR-iest name in history, Bubba Wallace. Like, seriously, dude? <laughs> well, that's nominative determinism for you. It was going to have to be a NASCAR driver or work at a filling station. One of the two. 
um, someone hung a noose in his mechanics uh, bay where they fixed the car because people are shit. People are shitty. People are shitty. So I'm not 100% sure the setup for this. Like, I think his car ran out of gas during a race or something, but like all of the drivers and all of their pit crews and like all of the mechanics, it turned into this big parade of, of pushing his car to the end of the track and just like, like everybody and Ben and Jerry's, the ice cream company is militantly left wing. And I'm like, who would have thought NASCAR Ben and Jerry's and teen Vogue would be leading the revolution. I did not see that coming, but they are. And it's amazing. And I, I know that my nieces and nephews are starting off with more progressive beliefs than I started off with. And I started off with more progressive beliefs than my mother did, you know, and it's just going to keep getting better and better. All we have to do is stop the, the dinosaurs from, from passing on the bad habits and, and the but bad habit of treating other people as if they're not human, if you can call that a bad habit, you know, but if we can just stop them before they get to the kids, then, yeah. then things will be, things will be better. Yeah. I, I am optimistic for, for the future. I'm, I'm an optimistic pessimist, really. It's like, I, I always, I always hope for the best, but I expect the worst is I like, prepare for the worst. It's that sort of mentality. And I'm just like, I really hope people can be good, but I know how shitty people can be. But I'm like the majority, as I think we spoke about either earlier in the podcast or just before we start recording, it is just, it is unfortunately the vocal minority, which makes it seem like it's actually the majority that feels that way when a lot of the time it isn't. And it's, it's a mess, especially with social media and things yeah. and news outlets pit cherry picking things to say. And yeah, and the, the 24 hour news cycle that needs to have something to say all the time. So stuff that is tiny gets blown up into a big thing because they need content. There's no always, you know, 24 hours worth of good news. Or by good, I mean, you know, quality, substantive news to report. But they got to keep it going because they got to fill 24 hours, you know. And so we end up with, uh, you know, the UK being symbolized by Boris Johnson. And, uh, and I don't, I said it early, once earlier, but we normally don't even say the name of, of you-know-who of the Cheeto, <laughs> the Cheeto in chief around our house. We usually use the anagram Lord Dampnut because <laughs> we find it to be far more fitting. So it is so embarrassing every time I stop and think that the world sees this. And in fact, that's all they see, yeah. you know, that, that they, that this guy, this guy who did, and I hate it's, it sounds, it seems like a weak analogy, but just like Hitler, convinced enough people that all of their problems were the fault of the exotic other and that he would get rid of the exotic other and then everything would be okay. And it requires such suspension of disbelief that you would much rather have the, the comforting lie than the inconvenient truth. For example, he promised to bring back jobs to uh, coal miners. I live near the Appalachian mountains, which is an old, mountain range. Um, a lot of, a lot of Welsh particularly settled in West Virginia. I think the climate was similar, but coal jobs have gone away because we're not burning as much coal and we have machines now, but he just blamed the Mexicans for taking the jobs and Obama for shutting down mines. And like, no, they closed because their time is ending. You can't bring those jobs back. And you, and you know, and you can't, you can't blame this all on Brown people. <laughs> Times change. It's just oh, yeah. how it is. You know, there aren't nearly as many uh, bowling ball pin setter boys and girls in the stenographer pool and, you know, just pick an obsolete job. They went, they go away for a reason. Though my favorite obsolete job just by title is the knocker upper, which was a person whose job it was. Oh, this is on your side of the pond. Uh, a person whose job it was to go around in the morning and the people who had paid for the service, this big long stick, and they would tap on your window and wake you up before there were reliable before there were reliable mechanical uh, clocks or cheaply available uh, reliable mechanical clocks and it's just the name knocker up because in the british parlance to knock up we would say to knock together or to hastily assemble or in this case to knock and wake you up whereas knock up in american english just means to impregnate usually in an overly casual manner 
that's what when you said that i was like and the first thing i thought of i thought of two things i thought of the seth rogan movie knocked up and then i also thought of the job fluffer and i was like i doubt it's either of those <laughs> no yes no, no fluffer is a cr- very different it's a very different business <laughs> indeed and just well, i just want to ask i know you don't know every fact in the world but do you know what year it was which the bbc uh when they had no news do you know of that it was all- 34 or 43 i want to say I, those, yeah. those numbers are just, yeah, just one day they were like, there is no news. And they played piano music. And you're like, oh, it must have been a really nice. I know. What a, nice, think of what a nice day that must have been. <laughs> it, just, it just sounds so entertaining for someone just to flick on. Literally, a newscaster to be there like, we, we don't have any news today. So, so nothing exploded. No yeah. one died. Um, <laughs> listen to this lovely piano. <laughs> oh, man. I would love that. Um, but looping, looping back to some of the more... Um, interesting things to do with uh, more specifically yourself is that um what you did burlesque or also nerdlesque do you want to talk about some of the your involvement how you got into that line of work it makes it it makes it sound like it's so much worse than it is but how did you get into that sort of realm well a friend of mine did the posters for a local burlesque show he and i had just reconnected we've been friends in high school and then lost track of each other for a decade and i was like burlesque is a thing I thought it had gone out in like the 1950s after Gypsy Rose Lee and the Dancing Girls and the USO shows and things like that. And he's like, yeah, and I get two tickets a month. You want to go with me? I'm like, hell yes, I want to go with you. Absolutely. I want to see what this is. It'd be amazing. And a performer named Kiki Von Kitsch did a number two Menomina. You know, Menomina. Yeah. As a big fuzzy pink, what's it kind of Muppet character. And she had giant googly eyes on her pasties with big eyelashes. And at the very end of the routine, the front of her G-string is actually a mouth. And it's, she sings along and the crowd goes apeshit. And <laughs> I was looking up at that just like, I have to do burlesque. This is the best thing I've ever seen. And I actually recreated that, um, that routine a few years later after she had retired. Because we did a, a, a Jim Henson ben- um, tribute show called The Lovers, The Dreamers, and Me. And that was what got me started. So I wanted to recreate that. Uh, so we nerdlesque, of course, is a portmanteau of nerd and burlesque. And burlesque can be anything because the word burlesque means to twist. It began as satire. And so as long as you can put a twist on something, and when you get into burlesque, your brain translates everything you see into a burlesque routine, even stuff that should not be a burlesque routine. Like my mother was in hospital after uh knee surgery and she never wants to be a bother so rather than call for the nurse to help her to the bathroom she got up herself and fell and hit her head and i go to visit her and i'm thinking okay i come out on stage in a hospital gown and i've got my right leg and my left arm in a cast and i'm like brain we don't need to turn mom falling in the hospital into a burlesque routine we just we don't good uh but we did a a game of thrones show because any TV property we're interested in, we're going to do a burlesque show on it. One of the benefits of being the producer is I get to make those shows. That's how I ended up producing. I got sick of waiting for themes to come around. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll make my own show with blackjack and hookers. And <laughs> I had a hypnotoad wedding cake. Do not challenge my nerd cred. Um, That's for so, Futurama for anyone who's Futurama, on the way, just yes. to clarify. <laughs> if you didn't get that, just turn it off right now. Just turn off the show Right now, I don't even want just to talk go watch, to you. Go watch the first four seasons of Futurama and the four mini-movies, and then, then you can come back. Then, you come, then come back. Yeah, then we'll talk. That's actually how I ended up with my husband, because the night we met, we just kept dropping increasingly obscure Futurama references to see if the other person could catch them. And we both did. And so it ended in a stalemate that resulted in a marriage. Um, but um, we did a little regional tour of our uh, Game of Thrones burlesque show, my husband, uh, Dante the Inferno. Moxie Labouche was my burlesque name that just carried it with me into podcasting. Uh, the first year I was the mountain because I was the smallest person on cast. It's funnier <laughs> that way. And I had I made a little Oberyn Martell doll with a hollow head so I could put a jelly donut in where oh, his face goes. For that, for that. <laughs> that scene. <laughs> crush, crush your head, crush your head. Oh, man. And raspberry jelly pouring out. Um, and one of our performers... Uh, went to do a burlesque show at a con because that's become quite popular, you know, back when human beings could gather together in groups of more than 10. (laughs) And Mr. Martin was at that con to do uh, an appearance and a panel. And he actually watched the show and asked to speak to her afterwards. She did her, her Melisandre, her red woman 
routine. And she told him about the little tour that we did and uh, how we were planning to do it again the following year. And he gave the show his official blessing. There were many Game of Thrones burlesque shows. We weren't even the first, but we were the only one that lucked into his official blessing and his direct phone number, which I could never bring myself to call because I didn't want to bother him. <laughs> wonder where I got that from. <laughs> and uh, he invited us out to the theater that he owns in uh, his hometown of Santa Fe. So we actually got, we toured our way out there and then toured our way back and we got to play for the man himself. And my husband, Dante the Inferno, did a routine as George R.R. R. Martin in front of George R.R. R. Martin, which he said was the most nerve wracking experience of his life. Because, you know, in a nerdlesque show, you do the characters. You almost never do the author, you know, or the director of the movie, because there's not usually as much to work with there, not at least visually. But no, he had the padded belly, the fake beard, the Greek fisherman cap the whole nine because there had been a bit on one of the late night talk shows. We cut now to George R. R. Martin finishing the book and it's a guy dressed as him jumping on a backyard trampoline. <laughs> so we got one of those little living room aerobics, jogging trampolines, the little three feet across ones. And he did his whole routine while bouncing on the trampoline to the Todd Rundgren song, bang the drum. One that goes, <laughs> I don't want to work. I just want to play on the drum all day. And so he's, he's doing his strip while bouncing on the trampoline, not working on the book. And at one point, uh, fakes a heart attack and dies because Mr. Martin is really sick of people asking him what's going to happen if you die before you finish the book. He's taken to just giving reporters the finger when, when they ask him that. So stop asking. That's extremely rude. It's a very nice old, he's a little heavy, a little old, but he's a really nice guy. Leave him alone. Um, and so, yeah, he, he has a heart attack and dies in inverted commas, uh, but then gives himself chest compressions and jumps up and finishes the routine. And uh, Mr. Martin said the only time he was nervous was when Dante kind of bent over forward, pulling off his boxer shorts and his padded belly is covering uh, his, his crotchal region. Uh, but when he steps out of them, he had a smaller pair of boxer shorts on underneath, which was as far as he went uh, in terms of stripping. And he had to keep a tank top on to cover the big padded belly. Otherwise it would look really dumb and weird. <laughs> So then, yeah, so he, my husband then had to meet, look, look in the eye and shake the hands of someone he just made fun of for, you know, three and three quarter minutes. That's so amazing. But yeah, it, it, it was an incredible experience. We even made a documentary of, of the experience of by we, I mean, 95% me, <laughs> because everybody was instructed to shoot, you know, grab a camera, grab your phone, whatever, do little uh, pieces to camera get me a B-roll of, you you know, driving down the road, putting on your makeup. Did anybody shoot any film material? No. What they did shoot, did they upload it the way I asked them to? No. <laughs> I had to teach myself video editing in the process of this. And my old computer had a processor from before there were generations in processors. Ooh. So it couldn't hold the whole work file. It, I had to do it a scene at a time. And then it took an entire day to render the whole, to, ex to export the whole movie which was when I discovered that the volume levels between the scenes were radically inconsistent. And I didn't discover this until we screened it in the local movie theater, in our local Ooh. antique movie theater. I'm like, well, started well. <laughs> the intro, my, my intro and, and the conclusion of the film are beautiful. Less said about the middle, the better. But the, it starts and ends really, really strong. That's incredible. I mean, with with George R. R. Martin, like, did you actually get to talk to him very much after doing the show and things like that? Yeah, a little bit. We got to do a little meet, meet and greet. I think we we had his attention for about fifteen minutes because we were also doing two shows that night, and he came to the first one, and we had mm. to turn the room and get people in for the second one. Uh, and he's got the Jean Cocteau Theater in downtown Santa Fe was this old Art Deco, a uh, hundred seat single screen movie theater that he saved from dereliction and demolition and had restored. And it's, it's really nice. And maybe someday I'll make it back out to that side of the country and I'll get to see it again. Um, but he has a, a tinted glass booth in the back so that he can watch the movies or the events that are happening without being mobbed because mm. he can't go out in public out there without being mobbed. He's friggin' George R.R. R. Martin. Cause like he, he sent the manager to the, um, souvenir stand to get us some Targaryen gold and iron coins of Bravos. Oh, wow. And the, the manager like didn't bring back enough. We brought back the wrong thing or whatever. And so Mr. Martin's like, oh, I'll just get it. Oh, poor guy. He like, couldn't fight his way back in there. But so yeah, some of us took Targaryen gold. Some of us took um, iron coins of Bravos. My husband has one in his wallet 
I know for a fact that if me and the wallet are in a burning building, I am on my own. (laughs) That is his most prized possession, an iron coin of Bravos given to him by the hand of George R. R. Martin. You know, I mean, nerd that head. is next level stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's incredible. I, I just have interest with George R. R. Martin stuff. Have you seen the South Park episodes of Game of Thrones? I've seen clips of them. I I lost interest in South Park somewhere along the way. It's like like Simpsons. It was like amazing for a time, but then when it stopped being amazing, it was pretty much crap. Um, I, I think it did have a lull. I, I would recommend, if you've seen the clips, it may have just ruined the, the three-parter anyway. I think South Park is one of my favorite shows, but I feel like it does... It does have a lull for a while, and there's there's a few episodes every season now where it's like, didn't quite hit. But the ones when they do hit, in my opinion, are great. But I was just going to ask about that because they do a lot of George R. R. Martin. When are you going to finish the novel joke? That's very consistent in the in the thing. So that's why I, I brought it well, up. One of the reasons it takes him so long is he works on his original computer, the computer he started the whole thing on, which is a green screen computer, wow. mechanical keyboard. It's like you know almond taupe casing and despite having written thousands of pages he is still a two-finger hunt and peck typer oh so shit's gonna take time he's got it all laid out in his head it's just a matter of getting it on onto the computer because i I saw an interview he did with stephen king where king is like i have to i have to write minimum six pages when i sit down every day and and mr martin's like how (laughs) how do you how do you sit there and write six whole pages because like even when I'm doing my script, I think nonfiction's a lot easier because I just have to pull information that exists and rearrange it. And it'll take me a good 12 hours to get my script done if I can focus. Huge if. <laughs> so I really sympathize with Mr. Martin on that one. Yeah, I mean, with myself, obviously, I've been doing I've been doing genuine chit chat now for nearly three years. But I recently started a podcast all about Star Wars because yeah, I'm a massive Star Wars nerd, and it's and there weren't any podcasts about Star Wars out there. I know um, uh, there's nowhere near uh, as many. But I I want to clarify. I actually got approached by a friend of mine to do it on their channel, so I couldn't say oh, no. Okay. You know, there you go. So yeah, and they they were like, you know, loads about Star Wars. I, was like, I know quite a bit. You know more than anyone we know. I don't think I do, but do you want to have a show about Star Wars? Yes. If you, if, any, if someone is asking me to have a show, I just talk about Star Wars, even if you two are the only two in the world that listen to it, I'm okay with that. So with that, I have to, I don't write a script, but I've got a slightly different notepad to this one. Um, where I basically just write sort of bullet points of the story and then little facts and things about it. And as I go through, I kind of, don't read the comic verbatim and things, but I kind of describe what happens and then do links from characters in that comic to other ones. And it's like, I used to, when I started it, I was like, oh, this would be easy, you know. It's only a podcast, I'll be talking for 15, 20 minutes. Uh, I would need to summarize a comic and things. And then when it gets down to it, it's like, no, this takes hours. It may even take longer than genuine chit chat. And it was meant to be this little side fun thing. I just do this easy. And now it's like, now I, I love it, but it, it does take. It takes more, over. Yeah, because the less yeah. you want to do, the more you kind of have to do. Because like with this, I can't control what you're going to say. So it, it's actually quite easy to plan these shows because I just have to write footnotes, have a vague amount of background information and try and listen to, you know, you or if the other individual on the other side has been in other stuff, I can kind of listen to how they talk and things. But it doesn't normally take more than like an hour to do research. But when you're trying to uh, say back what the information in the comic without just boring someone reading everything word for word while also not trying to go too much into the action scenes, but trying to connect to other stuff. It it takes a very, it takes a very long time. Labor of love, though. Broadcasting. And is it is it strictly the comics that podcast? Um, at present, it's just yeah, Star Wars comics and canon. I'm there are books as well of Star Wars which I have read, and I'm going to do some episodes about books. But with the comic, I'm going to sit there and like flick through the comic if something doesn't if I can't quite remember. But almost all the Star Wars books, or well, at least the ones I've read, are like 500 pages long. Yeah, it's a lot easier to find stuff in a comic book or a graphic novel when you need it in a hurry. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I do get other links to other stuff, but it's generally just because comics I think are the least uh, consumed content of Star Wars. It's it's movies, then TV, then books, then then comics. So. Yeah. Well, if you can ever work it in, I would love for you to tell people about uh, Marsha Lucas, about George Lucas's wife when he made uh, the original Star Wars back when it was just called Star Wars before they had to call it A New Hope because they got to make another one. Uh, She was one of the editors. She was one of the three editors on the film. And the Star Wars franchise or empire, for lack of a better word, would not exist if not for Marsha Lucas. Because you can go on YouTube and look at at uh, side-by-side comparisons of her cut of the film and his cut of the film. And George Lucas's cut of Star Wars 
is awful. It is <laughs> abjectly terrible. It is slow. You introduce characters who aren't pertinent yet. <laughs> she cut out entire characters and we never missed them because they were no good. You know, it was her idea that Obi-Wan Kenobi die. It's like she and the other two editors got an Oscar for Star Wars. He didn't. Uh. But after their divorce, he kind of um, was like Ramses III and, and Hepshetsut tried to erase her from the record and tried to, to make the world forget that he owes her the billions of dollars he's made on Star Wars. Because mm, that's interesting. no one would have watched it after opening weekend if it had been his version. So I, I highly recommend everybody hop on YouTube, look at the various um, film history channels that look at his version versus her version because his version's crap it's garbage <laughs> i'll definitely take a look into that things because i know that for example i only very vagueness about i know what george lucas can be very george lucas about things there's one interview with mark hamill i think it's about a year or two after star wars came out and they were talking about oh yeah how'd you get on with george blah blah and he was like, oh george is great to work with but the problem is his scripts you there's a lot of stuff you have to kind of fight him to not say and they're like can you tell us anything and he was like I'll tell you one thing. And it was, uh, he says it so fast in the clip that it's actually hard to hear it. Um, and obviously it's a really old clip, but it was, it was like when they're going up to the death stuff for the first time. And he, he says this big ramble about how fear is their greatest weapon, but it's said in such a weird, cheesy way. And it's like, you know, a lot of people that had issues with the prequels because George Lucas had a lot more free reign on those. And some of the dialogue is just crap. Like I, I enjoy some all the Some of films, the dialogue. Gracie. Hey, hey, Revenge of the Sith, I stand by is a good movie. Okay. Hayden Christensen, flawed and there is some dialogue in there that is flawed but i still love that movie attack of the clones people can <laughs> attack that as hard as they want tell me tell me one line from the prequels so across three films tell me one line of dialogue that has anywhere near the pastiche or the common usage or the pop cu- pop culture cachet of of any reference from the original trilogy it's over Anakin and I have the high ground that could only be it and it's only used to make fun of other things well, so like out of three movies one line it's just like like the Avatar movie the the um, Thunder Smurfs one not the <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan why did you do that it was already a perfect property <laughs> one um, but you know it's, it was the highest grossing film of all time until five years ago and you've never heard anyone quote it the oh, no okay. cultural impact whatsoever but on the topic of the other avatar, the good avatar, Netflix is working on a live action series and the original creators are the ones at the helm. So well, I, I can't say I have much faith in that on the basis, hopefully because it's original creators, but every live action of any anime ever is awful. You've got, you know, Usually. Attack on Titan, Dragon, uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. Evolution. Oh, let's not talk about Dragon Ball Evolution. It makes me want to cry. Uh, <laughs> I think I haven't seen either Death Notes, but I've heard the Death Note movie pales a comparison to the series. <laughs> the the American Death Note movie is garbage. Mm. The Japanese Death Note movie is good. Mm, yeah. So, so it just depends on it depends on who's doing it. So that's why I have hope because the two original creators are the ones doing it, and we're supposed to get more backstory on Uncle Iroh. Mm. So. And you know, you it's watch, it's worth it. I've I've not seen all of Legend of Ang. It's one of the. It's a show that I do want to go into because I know that Dave Filoni, who did uh, Clone Wars um, and Rebels, uh, Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and has had a hand in John Favreau's The Mandalorian. Dave Filoni is like the new, the new George Lucas in a way because obviously George Lucas isn't involved anymore. So Filoni's the one who asks answers all the questions that people have, and he was the show he and stuff he did before Star Wars was Legend of Aang. So he was involved in that realm. I've never heard so, anyone refer to the original show as the Legend of Aang. Really? You're the, oh, the, I'm not, the I'm not saying airbender. it's not. Sorry, the last airbender. I'm thinking yeah. of the Legend of And then the of other one's Legend of Legend of Korra. I'm mixing yeah. them together because okay. I'm a scrub. There you go. That's why. <laughs> uh, it's a mishmash in my brain. You know what you described your brain earlier? Uh, my brain is more like a billion post-it notes. Just... <laughs> Just walls of post-it notes in, in one of those in one of those cash machine things yeah. where it all blows yeah. around and you've got to try to grab them really quick. The only difference is the color of the post-it note is to do vaguely with the subject. That's it. You're just in this giant room with about a, like a hundred different colors of post-it notes, and they're all just it's me, a little version of me, in there trying to grab pieces. And you say a buzzword, and then more post-it notes open from the sky and fall down. And there's well, just that's what I'm like. That's my brain. <laughs> and in podcasting, it doesn't always seem that way because editing's a thing, but. 
it normally is. But yeah, I meant I meant the Ang stuff because I, I've seen bits of um, the last episode. I know the general plot and I know a lot of the, the character arcs and things. I've seen enough to have a gauge, but I haven't watched the episode fully because when I'd Cartoon Network and things, you know, it's watch it this it's time. A, it's on Netflix. Get a VPN. You bet. I think it's on our Netflix now. I think. Well, well, then you have no excuse at all. I because... do have an excuse. <laughs> my, my girlfriend, I have to. She she is more into. She's into a lot of nerdy stuff. But at the moment, she's what we're watching Clone Wars, and then we're gonna watch Rebels, and then I'll have to have give her a break, and she can no, make no. I mean, like like Clone Wars is Clone Wars. It's good. It's probably the best property associated with the prequels. But the Last Airbender is one of the solidly like just best assembled TV shows of any kind, not just cartoon, but that. best TV show. Cause the, the right, the world building is amazing. That's very immersive. The, the writing is excellent. The, the directing, the casting, the voice acting, the choreography. And I know this cartoons, so that sounds weird, but the different fighting styles that each of the elemental bending mm-hmm. uh, styles has and the character arcs. Yes. Prince, Prince, Zuko, Prince Zuko's character arc is like one of the best that's where ever been everyone written. says everyone says with the sequel trilogy basically what they did with kylo ren is basically copy zuko but worse that's that's everyone who's in star wars basically says that's what happened so i'm aware of that realm but is uh, is legend of korra is that i've heard very good things about that but is that worth- one, one problem people have judging the legend of korra is because we love the original avatar so much that and and it's like Futurama. We love the early seasons more because we've rewatched them more times. So we've seen the original Avatar more times. So it seems that much better. It's that much more ingrained in us. So when the new thing comes along, you judge it a little, little more harshly. Now, I need to go back and restart The Legend of Korra because my husband and I were watching it with a friend of ours who had already seen it all and we had never gotten around to it. Except we were viewing it in a state of, let us refer to it as carefully scheduled inebriation. <laughs> we were high as balls <laughs> and i don't have i don't remember it well enough from episode to episode to really give you a good breakdown of the qualities of the legend of Korra. i know that there is um lgbt re- um, representation and that's always good i know that there are um references like one of the characters named uh, mako who was the voice actor who originally did uncle iroh before he passed away uh, during book two, I think actually the last episode he recorded was Tales of Ba Sing Se. Now that might not mean anything to you, but somebody listening to this just started crying. <laughs> because but- even even the filler episodes on Avatar are really good. Like the, the Ember Island players and the Tales of Ba Sing Se, even the episodes that don't advance the plot are still really, really well done and thoroughly entertaining. Hmm. It's, it's, I, I do... With the last Airbender, I I do it is on my watch list, but also unfortunately, uh, I love my girlfriend. She's the best, and she deals with me, which is saintly. But one thing she has, which does frustrate me, uh, is she has walls up against certain things, and one of those things is anime. And I got her to watch Spirited Away the other day, um, because which is just the, the best Miyazaki the best film. Yeah, that is incredible. I mean, Princess Mononoke is incredible too. And I actually watched Ponyo when I was uh, inebriated, shall we say. And I couldn't remember. I, I, I thought I hadn't watched it. And years later, my mate went, no, we watched that together. You just, you messed up. And I was like, oh, I thought I hadn't seen it. It's like, no, you, you did watch it. I was like, okay. But I got her to watch that and she didn't mind it. But she has, the problem is that when she watches it, she's like, oh, immediately from the get-go, this is animation. I don't like it as much. And it's like, but, but you want like Disney films, like that. Anime is well, tell, tell her it's an, it's an American show. Well, uh, so th- there is there is a great big debate as to whether or not it should be considered anime because apparently in Japan it's regarded as anime because it's such a quality and a detailed, well developed cartoon that that many people in Japan consider it to be anime, but Americans don't because it was not of of Japanese origin and mm. stuff really like has to be from Japan for most people to consider it anime. Yeah. Does it have a lot of the same? By the way, you moved farther away from your mic. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, just there was. I didn't want you to deal with a noticeable drop in volume when you go back to edit. Oh, I, I normally put normalization things and that sort of yeah. stuff on because I do. But have you have you, you used Levelator? Yes, I've. Been, I saw. I think you posted on a Facebook group recently. I wrote so you're in on that, that one. Yeah. I. I <laughs> 
I found Levelator a little while ago. Someone randomly on one of those podcast groups just recommended it on the off cuff and they basically got completely ignored by everyone in the whole thread. And everyone else was going, no, you need to buy this thing that costs £25 a month. But, you know, you put your things through and it adjusts all the luffs. And I'm like, I'm not, it already cost me money to do podcasting. I don't want to burn money for a a hobby. And so I found Levelator and obviously they're like, oh, can you use Levelator? They haven't updated it in God knows how long. And then I went on it and it works perfectly fine. It is absolutely incredible. And the only thing I ever have to do with it is slightly reduce uh, the gain normally when I put it in. And that's it. That's all I ever have to do because of my my mic is a bit gainy. I know I can yeah. reduce that the settings, but it's... Yeah, it, re- <laughs> it replaced my whole, like the the macro that I had set up for, for tweaking my vocals in the macro I'd set up in Audacity. It replaced that whole thing and it does it faster and it doesn't tie up Audacity while it does. Because I'm hoping to get into to voice acting and audiobook narration. And so I've been... When I get interested in something, I go full tilt. So I have been binging podcasts about voice work and audiobook narration and stuff like that. And I kept hearing about Levelator. Some people refer to it as a good idea. Some people refer to it as an outright requirement. I'm like, well, I guess I better get it. I don't know what it is though. <laughs> oh, it's free. Okay, sure. All right, let me try it. Holy crap. That's amazing. You know, it's just like, that sounds even better than when I was doing it manually. So yes, Yes, by all means, we'll do the Levelator. Yeah, big up Levelator. Like, it's one of those things where you see in a lot of these podcasting groups that there's a bit of elitism, which I don't like in the sense of, like generally podcasting communities are lovely and almost everyone I've met in them have been fantastic and I'm very thankful. But there is that level of like, when I started podcasting, and I think a lot of people get this, they go, people ask questions on the group. Oh, I want to buy this kind of microphone that costs this amount of money. Oh, I also want to buy a soundboard and this, this, this. And I remember when I started and I was looking into it and I was like, if I do everything these people tell me, I'm going to have to spend about five, six hundred pounds, uh, which the American listeners... Oh my God, minimum, if, if you're lucky. Yeah, but yeah. if you do, if you kind of DIY it in a sense to certain degrees, like if you use Audacity, people, there's some people who swear you cannot use Audacity and I'm like, why? It's got everything you, you unless you're creating an audio drama where I'd say you probably need Oh, you know, I could still tech. do it in Audacity. I could, well, you could absolutely still do it on Audacity. I've done, I've done projects with 17 different tracks in, in Audacity because I also had to edit um, a lot of people's music for the different mm. burlesque shows. So I'd have to be incorporating uh, pop songs and soundtrack and clips of dialogue and sound effects and whatever you, I could absolutely put together a full on audio drama, radio play, whatever in audacity. I think people, you get that elitism in anything, whether you're talking in a tech message board or when I was doing burlesque, there's always those women who, Oh, those aren't Swarovski crystals, you know, looking down their nose at you. And you'd be like, I'm lucky I was able to afford the underwear I glued these plastic crystals to, lady. <laughs> you know? And, and then people are just like, well, you can't keep using that. I'm like, it's all I can afford. So I am going to continue using it. I don't recall asking you. Thank you very much. You know, and, and I started with a like $35 um, mic set that my husband got me for Christmas, which turned out to actually be a, a really pretty good quality most of which i'm still using because like part of the mic crapped out so but the arm and the pop filter and everything those are still fine and you know i've got a i upgraded to the samsung q2u which is um usually about 80 dollars for me that was a real outlay but it has the same audio quality you could expect from a broadcast quality mic if you know what you're doing and if Mm. like me you were raised by a former radio personality so you know how to do your radio voice at the drop of a hat (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so by all means, if you can only afford the $30 mic, buy the $30 mic. If you can afford the $50 mic, good on you. Buy the $50 mic or buy the $30 mic and send me the $20. Either way, it's fine. <laughs> you know, but yeah, so I'm already getting, I'm hearing a lot of that elitism in um, the, the voiceover world and the, and the audiobook narration. I'm not even in it yet. Hmm. And I'm already suffering the elitism max. Like apparently if you're trying to be a real voiceover artist on a PC, oh, you're a leper. You're just like, oh. apparently, if you're not using a Mac, it's Even though heretical. Macs are actually worse than Windows and almost in the sense of the, if you spend, say, $2,000 on a Mac, if you spent that $2,000 putting your own PC together and you knew what you were doing, you would make two PCs, both probably better, better than, than the Mac. Mac. And it, yeah. it's just, it is that I could buy a Mac legalism. or a transmission for my car. <laughs> exactly. You know? It's, it's that level. And, and yes, I'm sure they're good. But I've, I've been using... PCs since, and I mean this quite literally, home PCs since 1986. Since literally before I could read, my dad wrote the menu commands in in big block letters so I could just find them on the keys 
to play my little counting games, you know, so, mm. cause he was a, he's a mainframe programmer. My dad was in it in the 1970s oh, wow. and 35 years of PC use. I am not changing to a Mac. Now you cannot make me. No, exactly. And it's one of those things where it almost loops back to what we were talking about earlier on the, in the chat. And it's, it's one of those weird things where if so, people seem to want to force other people to do things their way, whether it's sexuality, skin color, gender, any of these things, when reality, all it should be is, okay, is that thing working for you? Yes. Are you hurting anyone? No, that's fine. In the bedroom, if someone wants to be hurt, that's a different kettle of fish. But excluding that, it, well, that you know that, I mean? that still has consent and, yeah, and all of the things consent. and all 100%. of the things that you need to have. You know, it's not actually hurting anyone. You yeah, know, they, the they, asked, they asked for yeah. it, but yeah, yeah no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just I'm just joking on your on what you're saying. But yeah, but but yeah, everyone's life experience is going to be different, and just because it didn't work for you doesn't mean it's not going to work for everybody else. No, exactly yeah. and it's with like my mic stand and things like i've got i've actually got a samsung my, this is a co1u and the other one i've got is well this is a co1u pro and the other one i've got is co1u non-pro and the one i had before that was like a sister mic it was made by someone else but it's called the c1u or something you know they're all very similar but you got something's message boards and they like, can't use that you can't use that and i've had people who i've seen have commented on certain things that you can't possibly use that the microphone quality is so bad and there's such audio files and then that same person if they they've posted there's two or three people have done this and they post oh send me your podcast and i'll judge them because i'm an expert and in the early days i did send that to people to get critiques and i'd always get people back literally are in the same person saying you can't use this mic you can't use audacity you can't use this listen to my show and go god you must have a really expensive mic the, the audio quality sounds amazing it's like no I, I record the voice and then I listen back to it. And if it's too quiet, I'll increase the volume. If there's background hiss, I just get rid of it. it. It's not, you can just YouTube or Google almost any problem for sound editing and you'll get a solution. So if it's something, yeah. if it's this, it, it, oh, it baffles and, me. And, and a good mic can actually cause you problems uh, because if your space is not treated, I see you've got a lot of fabric around you, which is good for count, uh, catching the bouncing. I am right up on my mic like I should have bought it dinner first you know <laughs> so so that helps to cut down on the room noise you know whether you get dynamic or condenser and yada 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 but if you just have a really expensive uh, mic but you don't know what to do with it and you haven't treated your room it's going to sound a lot worse than somebody in a correctly treated room with a little bit of know-how like you and me and a cheap mic mm. and and yeah I have had a lot of people who would hear my output and not believe that I did it originally on a mic that was $35 with all the kit and the accessories, you know, that because it, if you just work at it, it'll sound good. So take everyone's advice for, you know, for what it's worth. It's their opinion. Mm -hmm. Even if they are an expert in their field, it's ultimately still their opinion. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. And last little thing on that, last thing, with microphones, people told me you cannot do a podcast with a USB mic. Oh That's my the God. only microphone. Two and a half years. Yeah. I will show you where it is plugged in right now. I might get a mixer. I might get a mixer for audiobook narration if someone notices. Because mm -hmm. apparently in the voiceover thing now, because so many people are having to build home studios because of COVID, they can't go into studios, that agencies are just issuing technical specs. Like you have to have this mic and this mixer and this stuff. And I would probably lie. And be like, sure do, because you're not going to know one way or another from listening to it, you know, whether I have, you know, the, the Samsung Q2U, the, the AT2020, the Heil, uh, a Sennheiser, you're not going to notice, you know? And if you do, well, good on you. Maybe you'll be the one whose advice I will listen to because you clearly <laughs> have a much, a much better ear. 100%. Um, I mean, it's been absolutely delightful speaking with you, Boxy. I feel like we could probably chat probably all night but I think well let's not i have another recording yeah. session at five I and i get to say, and i get to pick up my kitten at six so i was gonna say i know about your kitten and things so I, we'll, we'll wrap it up here but it, moxie it's been absolutely incredible to chat with you and you know even what you said about the prequels maybe we'll title that for another uh discussion another time but you're, you're always welcome to come on the show it's been genuinely an absolute delight to have you on Oh, it's been great. Uh, great rambling with you today. <laughs> so what I do best. <laughs> so if you just want to tell people uh, once again uh, where they can find you and things, I'll include links in the description and whatnot, but just sort of the final words and where they can find you. 
Well, if you uh, once you finish listening to the entire back catalog of Genuine Chit Chat, use that same app to look for Your Brain on Facts. You can also go to yourbrainonfacts.com. Follow me on the social media, Facebook and Instagram at Your Brain on Facts and Twitter at Brain on Facts Pod. And of course, there is, if you're not sick of listening to the name of the show already, the Your Brain on Facts book available now. Thank you. And that was a great radio voice. Appreciate that. <laughs> Again, all, all the credit goes to my mom who was in radio in the in the 60s and 70s. And if you'll open up the chat, I just sent you a picture of the kitten and you'll understand why this is my my priority today. Oh my God, I'm going to have to see this. Oh my God. That's one of the cutest things I've ever seen. Yep. Little, <laughs> little ginger. Oh man. Well, when we do, uh, we'll do another show at another point where you can come back on a genuine chit chat. And I expect to see Mango at oh, least yeah. somewhere in the background. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring him on for sure. He'll be the special oh, guest. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Moxie. It's been a delight. Um, I'll chat again soon. All right. Thank you. Talk to you later. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. As I said at the start, make sure you go give Moxie loads of love on social media, by book sales, and by listening to her show, Your Brain on Facts, because she definitely deserves it. I'm sure I'll have her on again because you heard at the end of that conversation. So, you know, if you liked that, stay subscribed. <laughs> uh, coming up in the next few weeks, next week, I believe I'll be releasing part one of my chat with my buddy, Sean. I spoke about that a little while ago. Um, we speak about loads of different random things. It's quite a nice tangential conversation. He's a mate of mine from Wales and I've been friends with him for quite a few years. So it's one of those other ones where it's a conversation where it's a more fun one with someone who I a lot more uh, comfortable with in certain ways. Obviously with Moxie, you could hear the conversation around swimmingly and with most of my guests it does too. But sometimes when I chat with someone who I've been friends with, excluding podcasting for a long time, it's sometimes just nice and easy just to flick on the mic and natter nonsense for a couple hours. Uh, so that's coming up. I've still got the GCSE or Parents Guide to GCSE podcast recorded. That is going to be released August time, as long as I can aim for that. I've got Janine Mercer coming back on the podcast on Tuesday. Uh, so, well, I'm going to be recording an episode with her on Tuesday. So I believe after my chat with Sean, which I think is a two-parter, after that will probably be the two-parter with Janine Mercer. I've got a podcast recording due with Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek podcast. I normally only say the name of the guests when I've done them previously, but as Scott has done collaborations with myself numerous times with the guys from Comics in Motion and we're in a little podcasty group chat chatting, I have no doubt that if I don't get this podcast recorded with Scott in a week or so, then it will just get rescheduled soon. So keep you guys posted on that. I've got another podcast recording with someone else whose name escapes me well i'd say the name escapes me i've got another guest planned but i can't remember who it's with oh no that's a lie i remember now but they've got a podcast as well and they've um introduced me to a few other podcast uh, guests as well so that's gonna be a really fun one but once again i won't say that just in case it doesn't go ahead and i've got i mean i've got episode 100 coming up soon and i'm trying to think if i should do anything crazy or special for it the 50th episode was a collaboration with uh, e14 which was a lot of fun, but that was really more just by accident. It just happened to land on the 50th episode, so I called it a 50th episode special. I'm thinking about getting Reese on again and just doing an episode with him as kind of he was the first person I had on. He's one of my best friends in the world, and, you know, it's a lot of fun in that regard. I don't know. Could do a Q&A, I guess. Is that a cop-out for a podcaster to do a Q&A? I don't know. Scrooby's Pip does it a lot when he's running out of guests, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's seen what it is, but also I don't know if anyone wants to hear me natter on by myself for, you know, an hour or so with just questions you guys have asked me, but contact me. If anyone tells me that's something they'd like me to get involved with, then maybe I'll do a Q&A for episode 100. I don't know. Maybe I'll just completely forget about it, and then it'll get to episode 100, and I'll release an episode, and <laughs> it will just be the 100th episode, and that'll be that. It's... It's a weird one trying to trying to do something special for the hundredth episode when I'm obviously doing my Star Wars Comics and Canon podcast as well as this one. It's I don't I don't know milestones and things. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't know a lot because I don't know. This is a pointless end, and I'm sorry for wasting all of your time that have listened to such great content with Moxie and now this nonsense right at the end. Uh, so yeah, I've I have got a few other ones in the pipeline for recording and things, but I'm going to go into them at a later date because talking about those too early is. 
Oh, I see jinxing it, but you know, oh, Goff from Beer Nuts Productions. He's he's going to come on. I think September. Uh, I think is when I'm going to have him on because I am I am pretty booked up scheduling wise. I've got a couple of weeks off with Megan coming up soon, and I'm pretty sure I won't be releasing an episode while I'm doing that. But I don't know. I might do. Uh, it kind of depends on what we plan. But yeah, Goff from Beer Nuts Productions. Everyone loves him. I always get really good feedback when he comes on the show. So. In a couple of months' time, you'll be able to hear about him because he's doing a new thing for Beer Nuts Productions. I've had him on the show three times before, so a lot of fun there. I think that's about it from me, guys. I'll just quickly say I've done another, obviously, my other podcast, Star Wars Comics and Canon. If anyone has seen all the Star Wars films and kind of vaguely wants to know more information about certain characters or events or anything like that, check out Star Wars Comics and Canon. It's on the Comics and Motion podcast feed. I've done collaborations with those guys before. You can basically find it everywhere you can hear this podcast except for YouTube. So if you're listening on YouTube, you'll have to find another avenue to listen to Star Wars Comics and Canon because it is just on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, I think Stitcher, all Acast, all those usual places. And yeah, I did an episode about Mace Windu that just went about his solo comic, has a bit of information about his master, as well as how uh, someone became an Inquisitor who was under his sort of, not quite control, but someone he was responsible for became an Inquisitor, which shows up in another comic, which is quite interesting. And I'm doing the third volume of Star Wars, as in the main run of Star Wars comics, set between episode four and five. That's going to be coming out next week because i'm going to be doing research on that for the following week and there's also a darth vader comic i did a little while ago two weeks ago i think so i'm still doing the darth vader comics every fourth week the star wars comics every second week and then every first and third weeks i'm doing mini series or one-shot comics of some sort so i'm doing a lando comic coming up soon as well written by charles saul so if any of that sounds interesting to you um and if you are even vaguely into star wars i would recommend checking it out because if you want to kind of get your foot in the door of opening up to the wider Star Wars canon, it's a really good way of doing that. But that's it for me, guys. I'm not going to ramble on about Star Wars or anything else any longer because I've been rambling far too long on the end of this <laughs> this little segment. So as I always say, I really do appreciate all of you guys listening a huge, huge amount, both to this show and to Star Wars Comics and Canon. I appreciate you checking out any guests who come on the show and checking out their content and things because we're all independent creators in this game and it's nice when we can collaborate and our audiences cross-pollinate because that's all I really want. It's just more cool people like Moxie and many of the other people I've collaborated with to get bigger audiences because, frankly, they deserve it. Uh, yeah, check those guys out. Review my stuff on iTunes and anywhere else you review podcasts. And, yeah, just be safe. Be nice to each other. Be awesome to each other. I think it's quoting Bill and Ted. Anyway. I'm going to go and finish editing this and then probably watch Saw 4 because me and Megan have started watching the Saw films recently because she hasn't seen them all. So, yeah, talk to you guys later. Have a great week.